Um, I've mentioned that before here, and I'll mention it again for sure after the comment that he made yesterday in Cincinnati. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place you found this. Pirates sweep the doubleheader from the Reds by scores of Six to one and one to nothing. Lots of really good pitching from the younger guys in particular. Johan Oviedo, the kid they recently picked up from the Cardinals, that was in the Jose Quintana trade, putting together five scoreless innings. And then in the nightcap, Luis Ortiz bringing some mind blowing heat. Six pitches of 100 miles an hour or harder, and he put together five and two-thirds scoreless innings, and this is just someone from the prospect pool and not all that high on it, as in like he was number 22, which tells you probably a little bit of something about prospect rankings in general, that they are, let's just say, and I cite this a lot, teams, general managers, executives are privy to infinitely more information than any of us on the outside can have. And I can guarantee you the Pirates had this kid a lot higher on their chart than he's been on anyone else's. But that's not how things go in bucko land. You could have two big W's in a day. You can have it be two pitchers who seem like legitimately promising parts of their future. And the headline is going to go invariably in some other narrative-type direction. And so it was that Cal Mitchell, after homering in Game 1, was asked by our reporter, Chris Halleck of DK Pittsburgh Sports, on the scene in Cincinnati, a pretty innocuous question just about how this season's gone for him, in particular going up and down a lot by that, of course, meaning Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. This was Mitchell's answer. Um, Well, you know, battling some of the... You know, battling some some front office decisions is new. It's something that I had to adjust to, right? Um, and then, you know, getting getting settled in into whatever team or location that I'm in. Um, gotten better with that. You know, not letting that affect performance as much. Uh, and yeah, you know, I just you know, I'll, I'll call anybody ever needs this time, and you know, I'm happy that thankful that the Pirates have given me that and. and I can show what I've done this year. You, yeah, front office. <laughs> wow. I just have to say this. The young man is very fortunate that everyone in town is a lot more focused on football. Because if that had been spoken in like June or July, when the Pirates are the only game in town, it would have been, I can't even imagine. However, however, I do feel that it's at least fair to weigh Mitchell's intention and Mitchell's result there with the remark. And for that, as ever, you got to take in the full scope. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street 
from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Mitchell does have an edge to him. I've seen it myself, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. In fact, I've said a lot of times that a clubhouse that doesn't have anyone pushing any buttons, that doesn't have uh, some sort of unpredictable element to their personality, is a losing clubhouse. The best, nicest guy clubhouses I've ever covered. People with whom I still communicate because I love them to death usually weren't teams that were very high up in the standings. Whereas I can go back to the Pirates 2013 to 15 teams. And if I wanted to get mean someday, could come on this show and list a whole bunch of them that I couldn't care less about because they just, you know, rub me the wrong way. And sometimes you got to have a little bit of that. And I've noticed that from Mitchell before this. So, again, going for the full scope, Mitchell's asked about the season that he's had. He's been shuttled back and forth as much as anyone. He's done well in Indianapolis. He comes up to Pittsburgh. He does well for about a week, and then he falls off. You've heard me bring this up as it relates to Andy Haynes, the hitting coach, and why it is that he can't, meaning Haynes, keep these guys even remotely productive for a sustained stretch in the majors. I've used Mitchell as the example of that. Well, Mitchell gets asked this question, and Mitchell answers it with brutal honesty and just says, front office decisions. Now, there's a billion different ways you can word that if you're the athlete. You can say, going up and down between levels is something that I've never had to deal with before. Uh, taking a backward step is something that I've never had to deal with before. And most of these players, like the better prospects in anybody's system, have never encountered failure. They've rocketed up through every level they've ever been at, including like way back to childhood. So I get that part. I can empathize with what Mitchell said. The part that's going to get him, A, in trouble, and it will, is bringing up the front office, and I'll get to that in a moment, and B, that some fans, at least those who are still paying attention, will take this purposely to be some sort of shot at Bob Nutting or whatever else here, as if these players ever talk about that sort of thing. I can't stress this often enough and loudly enough. They don't do that. Not because they're told not to, it just It's just not in their world. Their world is the baseball operations that they see on a daily basis. Their world is what the coaches are telling them, what the manager is telling them. Occasionally, it'll be something to do with the GM because the GM will make moves, again, like this, whether it's up and down or outside moves like trades, that'll impact them. But for it to get to the level of the owner and the payroll, it just never, ever happens. So cross this one right off the list. Now, To get back to what I promised, yeah, he's going to hear about it. This is not something that Ben Charrington's going to take 
and just shrug off. Not necessarily because he's sensitive to it or anything, but because he believes very strongly in the idea of a tight, universal approach toward building a winner. You and I can argue the merits of the results to that effect, but it's kind of hard to blame anyone for wanting to, you know, keep things moving in the same direction, at least in theory. So I can tell you right now that Charrington and Mitchell, and it will be those two, it won't be anything to do with Shelton or anyone else, Charrington and Mitchell will have a talk, and what you'll probably get from Mitchell, and if you listen very closely to what he said, this will make sense, was he was just referring to going up and down. What he blurted out was, for an office decision, is there some edge to it? Maybe. Maybe. But something that'll be irreparable. So when we come back, J1Q. been the biggest day for quote progress end quote for the 2022 bucks um i mean anytime you see a sign of highly promising starting pitching coming from very very young players who you'll be able to control meaning their rights for six years that's a step forward. There's no question about that. And when they're both doing it with the stuff that they showed, particularly Ortiz with the triple-digit registerings that he had all night at Great American, it's really fair to get excited. Now, if it sounds like I'm about to say something that kind of rains all over it, I mean, I at least have one thing to offer, and that's the obvious. The Reds aren't any good. The Reds can't hit. The Reds haven't been able to hit anybody in this series, and the Reds haven't done a whole lot of hitting all year despite playing in a hitter's paradise. So does it have more to do with one than the other? It probably does. Because if you look even at the Pirates relievers, who've all of a sudden, out of nowhere, gotten the job done slamming the door in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, you might have a better clue as to what's actually happening than to just look at the two starters who just showed up in the majors. I, I I feel like it's fair to say that. I also feel like it's not necessarily something that should dampen the spirits because, again, just look at Ortiz. If he's throwing 100 miles an hour, he gets six pitches up there like that, and he's blistering guys with that slider the way he was, which was arguably an even more effective pitch for him. I mean, 100 miles an hour is 100 miles an hour, whether it's against the Reds or the Yankees or the Dodgers. You're still bringing it, and you're still throwing a wipeout slider. You're going to be facing better hitters. You're going to be facing hitters who are more attentive to the strike zone and can make you eventually throw them their pitch, and there's other challenges that come with that. But when you're talking about that kind of stuff from both of those kids, 
and you're talking about that kind of poise, uh, I'm way more inclined to say that these guys did well uh, at the same time that the Reds were the Reds. Uh, It's a good day. I I don't mean to knock it. It's a good day for the Pirates to have something like that happen. They need a truckload more of it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.